how to use this stand. And um, got there eventually. Um, great. Well, if you have your Bibles, keep them open, because um, we'll be in there. Surprise, surprise. Um, and tonight we're going to be thinking a little bit about what it means for us to be a, a loving community. Um, I wonder how you, you feel if you're loving or not. Is that something that you would say about your character? Um, I'd love to add my welcome to, to Nannies and Toms. If you have, we haven't met, my name's Johnny. I'm cured here. And um, yeah, we're, 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 we're kicking off this series in Acts. We started last week. And, and Tom, uh, Tom covered the, the start of the church. It was really great. If you weren't here last week, we were also in Acts 2. Um, Peter gave this incredible speech where... Um, he declared that Jesus was Lord and Savior. And the response was so crazy that 3,000 people came to faith. Imagine, imagine the scenes. 3,000 people in one day giving their lives to Jesus. And we'd love to see some of that action here, wouldn't we? We'd love to see people coming to faith, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and saying, you know what, Jesus is Lord in my life as well. And so we're picking up in verse 42. And um, yeah, strap yourselves in. It's going to be fun. And so um, here, as the church was born, um, there was a community of people from all over filled with awe and wonder, but also probably filled with a bit of uh, anxiety as to what was going to happen next. What, what do we do now? We believe Jesus is who he says he was. We believe he rose from the dead. But what does it look like for us? How do we live our lives? And you chuck a load of people in together from all different backgrounds, different places, different languages. And you see what happens. They're thinking, what do we do? How do we live our lives with this newfound faith in Jesus? And so... We're going to unpack this passage and think of three characteristics of the early church as they seek to follow Jesus together in a loving community. And so our first thought tonight is that this group of people, this community was continually committed to Christ, continually committed to Christ. I wonder... Well, you can tell me, we've got a bit of audience participation. Um, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Tiger Woods, what have they got in common? Okay, I, I want a bit more than that. Okay, we're, we're going somewhere. I want a bit more than that. They like balls. Good, that's true. They like hitting, whacking balls, okay. Come on, give me more. Some, some sports boffin, come on. The winners, even better. What have they won? Tennis. What have they won? World competitions. We're, we're getting somewhere slowly, but surely. They've all won Grand Slams. They've won every major or Grand Slam they could win. They've spent a lot of time at world number one. They have achieved all that their sport can offer. That's true of them. But what is also true is they all started to play their sport before they were eight years old. Tiger Woods started to play golf at two years old. Tommy, I'm gonna to get him into golf. 
going to get him to pay my pension, because the Church of England it certainly isn't. Um, <laughs> Serena, she started at four years old. Many of you might have seen the film about her father, Richard, who uh, was, is a bit of a character. Um, four years old, Roger at eight. And they've all devoted their lives to this single goal of being the best in the world. They have given all their time, their energy. They've made huge sacrifices. They miss birthdays. They miss weddings because they're training every single day for this sole purpose, to be the best that they can be, to be world number one, to win all the trophies that they can. They committed their whole lives every single day for this purpose. And for these Christians that we read about in Acts 2, verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These new Christians were super hungry, super hungry to know more of who Jesus was. And they devoted themselves to his teaching that was handed down to the apostles. They longed, they longed to know more of this life-giving truth that they'd heard so much about. They recognized that that God primarily speaks through this. They've been filled by the Spirit. They had had an incredible experience, but they devoted themselves to God's Word. And we live in a culture that's quite experience-oriented, right? We look for, for stuff that's going to really change us, that's going to give us a bit of a buzz. And quite often, it's hard to get this open sometimes. If we're honest, sometimes it's, it sits closed. But the more that we commit every day to reading it, the more it'll transform us. I wonder what it looks like for you to devote yourselves to this. There's that saying that a Bible that's um, worn out is read by someone who's, who's not. What does it look like for you to commit to reading this, to meditating on it, to letting it shape your life, to live it out? What will it look like for you to devote all your time just like Roger, Serena, Tiger, but instead to sport to this? So that's the first point. They're continually committed to Christ, committed to his word. And the other things that they were committed to, we're going to pick up on. So I'm not forgetting those. So don't worry to be like, he didn't mention the other things. Um, according to a recent survey by Fusion with students, um, which is a charity that kind of works across the UK, but also across the world. Um, in, a, in a survey that they did, their biggest fear that students have is, is loneliness. It's not, will I get a job at the end of this degree? It's loneliness. And I think that's probably true for the wider population. In our moment, we're scared 
of, of, of being lonely. And we live in a world which is increasingly more connected than ever before. And yet we, f- we feel more isolated than ever before. Social media gives us this illusion that we're, we're connected. We can travel anywhere in the world, but why is it that we're scared of loneliness? I think we've lost a sense of belonging somewhere along the way. We've lost a sense of collectiveness. Maybe we don't live in like close proximity with each other anymore to the extent that maybe generations before us have. And I think that's something that we need to work on to cultivate. In this early church, we read in verse 44 that all the believers were, too, uh, were all together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So because of their faith in Jesus, these new believers committed to community. The word we read here is fellowship. And it's not simply just spending time together for for the fun of it. It's not like just a holy huddle but it was to support and encourage and share with one another. And it involved giving generously. And having everything in common, this phrase that we read, isn't, wasn't just some sort of early socioeconomic experiment, but rather it was a voluntary expression of self-giving. Other person-centered love. And this community committed sharing their gifts, but not only that, but their time, their resources, their money, their possessions, whatever they had, they were willing to share. They were willing to let people into their lives to experience the highs and the lows, the victories, the wins, but also the challenges, the difficulties, the pain and the suffering. And so when they were in close proximity together, as they ate together, they shared food together, they were able to to know what was going on so that whenever someone was in need, they were able to help them. And so often we just don't see it, do we? We miss it. We miss the people that need help the most. So my prayer is that we, if you're here this morning, I just talked about like keeping our eyes open, keeping an open mind and keeping open eyes to see what's around us, to see where the needs are so that we can be people that are living in close proximity with each other in community. And I have no, I, no doubt that this was costly for, for the, these early Christians. It was really costly to live like this, to give generously. Um, Katie and I had some friends around um, a while back. One of her friends from university came to visit and um, we'd made dessert. And she was like, oh, can you just like, can we have, can we have ice cream with it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I go into the to the freezer, open the door, and I've got choice to make. There was a nice tub of haagen right? And then there was like some cheap vanilla, like it's not even like got dairy in it. It's, it's kind of like some sort of like weird concoction. Um, and I was like, some, I, just, I just bought that yesterday. I'm not really that up for sharing it. And so I had a choice to make, and I, I, look, I looked, and I was like, 
I started to convince myself that the, the like stingy option was the better option. So I was like, well, it would go better with the sticky toffee pudding. It would be, you know, the other one would be a bit too much. Um, and so I was starting to like rationalize like this, like budget ice cream. And so I opt for that. And so I'm like scooping it on, be like, oh, I'll have that Ben and Jerry's tomorrow night when I'm here on my own. And so I take it in and Katie's like, gives me this look, you know, those looks, right? And so, what is this? Um, and so, friend stayed over. Um, she went on her way the next day. And she was like, why on earth did you give us that cheap ice cream? And I was like, well, and I started going through the rationale. And as I spoke it out loud, I was like, that is so, so sad. Um, and what it revealed to me was, actually, Whilst I might like to think I'm generous, we're very good at not giving our best. We're good at giving the budget ice cream. But when it comes to how we give to people around us, are we willing to go over and above and give of our best? Are we going to give generously? Are we willing to be people that go the extra mile to love those around us? Are we going to be people who stand back and watch other people in need? Or are we going to turn blind eye to, to poverty or injustice? Or are we people who are going to give, or get our hands dirty and give generously? It's going to be costly. And it just reminded me of that verse in 1 John 3, where John says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And I think John just really challenges us in our individualistic society to keep our eyes open for the people around us and how we can support them. And it might be that I'm just thinking of some examples of how we can do that. And you'll have your own ways in which you can be given generously. But it's easy, it's easy sometimes just to maybe let some money go out of your bank account every month, direct debit into church, but, or, or, or say, oh, I'll pray for you on a WhatsApp group, or I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll do a road every now and again with the kids in church or something. I'm, I'm not knocking those things, they're great. But what would it look like to give really generously in those things? A good barometer is, is asking yourself, is this costing me? Is it costing me? Is there sacrifice? Maybe it's sacrifice a night watching Netflix so you can go and help someone who needs it, maybe serve on Alpha or help someone out. Maybe it's going to visit someone who is, who's lonely or maybe calling that friend who you know is just having a bit of a tough time, but you've got a million jobs to do around the house. Maybe it's getting involved in a food bank, inviting people who you wouldn't naturally click with around for a meal. It's easy to invite the people that we like, isn't it? What about the people that really wind you up? Have them around for a lasagna? No thanks, I'm not up for that. Well, I think this calls us to do stuff like that. And so whoever we are, we. Let's be people who are generous. 
and have our eyes open and ask the Lord to give us the love for those people where we find it hard. I wonder what God's calling you to give tonight. And so lastly, I think the church was countercultural and authentic. That's our aim here, that we would be an authentic community that encounters Jesus. And this community was completely committed to worshiping the Lord together. They had devoted themselves in verse 42 to um, the breaking of bread into prayer. They wanted to remember that Jesus had died for them, that Jesus loved them so much that he went to the cross for them. And not only that, he smashed death to pieces and he rose from the grave to give them life and life in all its fullness, both now and in eternity. And so they wanted to make that the thing that they remembered. And that's why we break bread. That's why we share communion together because we don't want to ever lose sight of that. It's so easy. And they devoted themselves to prayer. They wanted to commune with God each and every day, an ongoing dialogue with their maker. And they were the things that, they were kind of the bedrock for what it means to be disciples of Jesus. And it wasn't that long ago since all that happened. So if they were saying, look guys, we need to devote ourselves to remembering who Jesus was and continually talking to him, then 2,000 years later, we've, we really need to be doing it too. That's something we need to commit to. It's so easy to lose sight. Life gets busy. Things get squeezed. And what does it look like for us to continue to remember what Jesus has done and devote ourselves to joining together in prayer and in communion? And we're going to do that in the gathering once a month. We're going to share bread and wine together, which I think will be really special to help us not forget. Um, and their love for one another and for Jesus gave them glad and sincere hearts. We read that in verse 47. They ate together and had glad and sincere hearts. And they were people who were content with what they had materially because of the blessing and the inheritance that they had in Christ. They were filled with the Spirit. And so for them, Jesus was enough. That was enough. They weren't relentlessly chasing the next big thing, the flashy car, the Instagrammable holiday. Here I am in Croatia. Right? That's, they, weren't, they weren't after, they weren't after, not that they had like smartphones or Instagram, but the point stands, that's not what they were after. They were thankful for what they had. And I wonder other things tonight that you're longing after, that you're putting before Jesus, that actually, if you're honest with yourself, this is what I'm prioritizing. This is the thing that actually I'm chasing. These people were, were countercultural. They might have seemed a bit weird. They might have seemed really different but it had such a profound impact on the world around them that it said they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And I think that could be true for us. If we devote ourselves to the same things that 
the early church did, if we are countercultural in the way that we live our lives, that's going to be true for us. People are going to look at us and go, do you know what? They have something that I want. They have a contentment. And for these people, their, their lives matched what they said they believed. I wonder, is that true of us? Sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, I'm not always sure some of the things I say match. I wonder, is that true of you? And the Lord began to add to their number daily those that were being saved. And so the witness of these new believers was so authentic, so real, so open, that people wanted to jump on board. They too wanted Jesus in their lives. And people were being saved. And so as followers of Jesus, we're, we're called to be continually committing to his word, to worship, to communion, to prayer, and be people who are generous in how we give. Just like those sports stars, to commit every single day to relentlessly pursue Jesus and his word and to do it in community with one another. And I guarantee that people will see it and say, I want some of that. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so as the band come up, why don't we stand? I am 100% sure that if we too are filled with the Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, just like these new believers, if we are open to sharing the gospel and our lives as well, we will see people being added to the number of those who are being saved. Imagine, imagine that here. Anybody up for that? Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray for it. Let's pray. Jesus, we long to be a people who love you. We long to be a people who are devoting our lives to you, to commit, continually commit to you. And so often, other things steal our attention. Pray that we would recommit our lives to you tonight. Pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. Forgive us when we, we don't give of our best and we, we give, but it's, 
is not generous. And we know that you have a generous heart. And so give us that same heart and love for people so that we're aware of what's around us. And help us to be a countercultural and authentic community so that people see Jesus in us. And we long to see people come to know you, to be added to this number. just pray that that simple prayer that's been said for thousands of years come Holy Spirit